Do you happen to know what is the most frequent command in the Bible? The most frequent command that God gives to his people. Do you know what it is? Do not fear. Do not fear, do not be afraid. That is the most frequent command given by God to his people. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think God repeatedly tells his people, do not fear, do not be afraid? Because I don't know about you, the reality is all of us will experience terrifying situations, won't we? I don't know about you, but if you've lived on this green earth long enough, you will have faced a frightful situation, right? We all will experience difficult and frightening moments. That was the case of a woman named Shaney. Shaney's husband was the leader of a house church in the Middle East. Then one day, Islamic authorities kidnapped him and secretly held him hostage. And you can imagine all the fears that no doubt filled Shaney's heart and mind. Suddenly, Shaney was all alone and she didn't know where her husband was. Yet she knew that her husband was strong in his faith and that he would endure even if these government officials began to torture him. He would never give up the names of other Christians or the details about their secret gospel work in this country that's hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ. She knew her husband would do okay, but she didn't think she was so strong. In fact, one night when she's lying alone in her bed, not knowing where her husband is, she prayed to God. She said, oh God, please don't let them find me. She said, I cannot handle the jail cell. I cannot handle torture. God, please don't let them come for me and be arrested. I am not strong like my husband. I, God, I might deny the faith. The next morning, she was awakened at 6 a.m. to the sound of knocking on her door. It was the police and they came to arrest her for her faith in Jesus. And all of a sudden, Shaney's greatest nightmare was coming to pass. And as she was being thrown into that jail cell that was filthy and it smelled like sewer, she prayed, God, I cannot handle this. God, I can't do this. Later that night, the guards pulled her out of her cell and began to interrogate her. And they just berated her with questions. They said, don't you know it's illegal to talk about Jesus to other people and to Muslims in this country? And they began to threaten her and beat her. And she, she was in a frightening situation. So in that moment, you know what she did? She did the only thing she thought she could do. And that was she prayed. And the moment she did, she suddenly felt God's presence 
and peace. And there in the interrogation room, while, keep in mind, while being yelled at, she looked at her interrogator in the eyes and told him that she is happy to tell others about Jesus because he commanded her to do so. And then she said this to her interrogator. She looked at her interrogator and said, you are an interrogator, but one day you're going to stand before the ultimate judge, Jesus Christ, and he will examine you. The interrogator was shocked by her bold words, and in a fit of rage, she, he told her that she's going to be punished in an even greater way, and the guards took her and threw her back into her jail cell. And you know what Shani thought when she was thrown back into her jail cell? You know what kept going through her mind? I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong of me. Why was I being so foolish? So she agreed. The next time she goes before the interrogator, she's going to apologize. However, the next night, when they dragged her into the interrogation room, she again felt the Holy Spirit's presence. And once again, she shared the gospel with him. Same guy. And this happened the following night. And each time Shani went into the interrogation room, she was afraid, ready to apologize. Yet each time, God's presence met her, comforted her, and she, instead of apologizing, she pressed in and continued to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with her interrogator. And after the third time, she went back to her cell, hoping to get some sleep. But in the middle of the night, she heard a knock on her cell door. It wasn't a guard. It was the interrogator. Ladies, put yourself in her shoes. A man's coming late at night when no one else is around. She immediately froze in fear. Was he going to beat her, do something worse to her? No. Instead, he wanted to talk to her. And with tears in his eyes, he asked her, tell me, what do I need to do to become a Christian? He says, please help me be saved. And that night, the interrogator, the same guy that was berating her, he became a Christian. He then ordered the release of both her and her husband under one secret condition, that they would agree to meet with him privately in order to disciple him. Faith, you know why God repeatedly commands his people, do not fear, do not be afraid? Please hear me, it is not because they won't experience terrifying situations. No, they will. And Christian, I need to tell you, so will you. No, the reason why God commands his people time and time again in the Bible is because no matter what they might go through, friend, no matter what you might go through, God has promised to be with you, his people. Not only does the Bible repeatedly teach this, but the story of Shani testifies to this truth. 
Faith, the reason why we don't have to fear anything we experience in this world is because God has promised, the God who spoke everything into existence, the creator God, the God who saved you and brought you to himself, he has promised to be with us. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 41.10. God says this to his people, fear not. Why? For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, just like God did with Shani. And in the face of such persecution, we can be confident that God will give us the strength. Not now, but in the moment when we need it. Or consider what Paul writes in Philippians 4. You all know this passage where Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. We know this, but you remember what Paul says right before these words? Why we're not to be anxious? Why? Because the Lord's at hand. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious, fearful about anything. Uh, every year, the first two Sundays of November are set aside as the International Days of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And according to the World Evangelical Alliance, over 80% of all religious persecution is against Christians, making Christianity the most persecuted religion in the world. And the statistics that support this claim are troubling. And every year as I research this, I'm dismayed to see that the stats really don't change much. For example, Open Doors Ministry reports that every month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. In that same time, an average of 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed. Furthermore, every month, 722 forms of violence are committed against Christians. Christians, those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, those who profess allegiance to him, they are the most persecuted group of people on the planet. And this should not surprise us. And you know why it should not surprise us? It should not surprise us because we are promised as much in Scripture. Friend, I don't know what kind of life you anticipate or expect to have as a Christian, but the clear teaching of the Bible is that if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, if you follow him and live out your faith, you will, not might, you will be persecuted for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider these words from the Apostle Paul. What does Paul write in 2 Timothy 3.12? He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you know who that is? That's you. That's me. That's all who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we not, friend, want to live godly lives? Amen? What does he say? Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Or hear from the Apostle Peter. 
What does he write? He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon to test you as though some strange, something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And if that weren't enough to convince you, consider these words from Jesus himself in John 15. He says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You know what that is, Christian? That's a promise. A promise of persecution. We could say it this way, and kids, please hear me. You need to know this, all of us, that the Bible clearly teaches that the road to the celestial city goes through a cross. We follow and serve a suffering Savior. And as you live out your faith in obedience to Jesus, you're not going to receive hugs and pats on the back from a world that is hostile towards Jesus. Look, there was no one more Christ-like than Jesus, and the world crucified him. Jesus promises that just as the world hated him and persecuted him, the same will happen to his followers. This is the clear Clear teaching of the New Testament. Peter, Paul, and Jesus all testify to this truth. But as Shaney's story reminds us, friend, please hear me, we do not have to fear because God has promised to be with us. We do not have a distant, unremoved, uncaring, ignorant God. Amen? And in the face of such persecution, we can be confident that God will give us the strength we need in the moment to persevere. Indeed, the testimony of the persecuted church is that it's precisely in those terrifying moments that they encounter the greatest experience of God's presence and love. And faith as children of God through faith in Jesus Christ We do not have to fear. God is with us. And you know what? We need to be reminded of this truth, don't we? And so do those who are suffering right now for Jesus. Uh, Several weeks ago, as we were working our way through 2 Samuel, we camped out in 2 Samuel 7 for three weeks. And one of those weeks, we spent some time looking at the last half of that chapter, which focused on David's prayer after God made his covenant with him. Do you remember this? Um, And in that chapter, in that section of the chapter, we'll recall that we learned this really important truth concerning prayer, and that is we are to plead God's promises in prayer. Do you remember this? David's prayer is actually a pattern that we see throughout the pages of Scripture with some of the great prayers. We see the people in Scripture, when they pray, they're turning the promises right back to God and pleading them. We are to plead the promises of God in prayer. So listen, that's what we're going to do this morning for the persecuted church. We are going to pray. We're going to plead God's promises 
for the persecuted church. And what promises are we going to pray? I have them here listed on the screen, as well as in your bulletin. In fact, where did I put mine? Luke, can I borrow your bulletin real quick? Thanks, buddy. Go ahead and get out your bulletin, if you will. And in the center section here, right here, you can see pleading the promises for the persecuted church. So we're going to, you're going to notice each one of these prayers in the yellow, that verse is the promise. So we're going to pray that God would remind them of his presence, that God would comfort them, that God would supply their needs, God would give them wisdom, God would grant them peace, He would help in their time of need, He would use their suffering for His glory and their good, and that God would strengthen them. And you'll notice in the bulletin there's several things that we're going to ask that God would strengthen them to do. To number one, to obey His commands to forgive their persecutors. You talk about opportunities and temptations to be bitter. But they would not only forgive their persecutors, but they do as Jesus says that they'd love their enemies and that they'd share the gospel. And then you'll notice at the bottom of the bulletin there, we're gonna, what we're going to do, in, in years past, we've prayed for Christians in different geographical parts of the world that are being persecuted. Um, this year, what instead we're going to do is we're going to focus on three types or groups of persecuted Christians. We're first going to pray for imprisoned Christians. These are people who are behind bars because they've shared the gospel, they simply were attending church, or they're living out their faith and obedience to Jesus. Then we're going to pray for the family of martyrs, those who have lost a loved one due to religious persecution. And then we're going to pray for frontline workers. These are the Bible translators, the pastors, evangelists, Bible smugglers, and ministry leaders. So uh, we're going to pray. Now, every year, Open Door Ministry, they publish a document called the World Watch List. And through extensive research and analysis, this, they have a document that ranks the top 50 countries where persecution towards Christians is most severe. If you want more information on this, you can visit this website, opendoorusa.org, and there you can see the worldwide watch list and learn more about all the various persecution that's happening around the globe. But what I want us to do now is to actually pray. So we're not going to rearrange the chairs, but I'd like us to group up into three, four, five, or six maybe there in your row, or you can maybe even turn over the back of your chair, pray with someone next to you. And we're going to spend several minutes praying for imprisoned Christians. And if you want to know what to pray for, here you go right there. Now, let me just say this. I am well aware, and it's perfectly fine if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud in a group. Okay, let me just say that. Our goal this morning is not to make people feel uncomfortable. So if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, that's fine. Just sit in with the group and listen in as, as they pray. So please know there's no pressure for that. But those that do feel comfortable, we really want to gather together now in groups of three or four, maybe five or six, to pray for...
for persecuted Christians. Pray for those that are imprisoned. People like Shani and her husband were. Those around the world. So we'll go ahead and let's go ahead and do that. We'll pray and then I'll come back up and close us in prayer to do the next group. Lord, we do uh, ask and we ask boldly um, these requests because, Lord, we know that through Jesus Christ uh, we have been granted access. So, Lord, we pray for our Christian brothers and sisters who are in chains right now, are in prison cells, um, Lord, suffering for their faith. Lord, would you do indeed comfort them, supply their needs, help them in their time of need, strengthen them. Lord, you have promised to do so, and we're asking you to fulfill that promise. In Christ's name I pray, amen. amen. And you guys can, can stay there, and it's okay if, yeah, I see you guys have moved some chairs. That's great. Uh, next, we're going to pray for families of martyrs. But before we do, let me, let me ask uh, a question here to the Christian couples. Uh, how many of you married couples, how many of you met your spouse at church? Okay. Good, good number of you. Yes, good number of you. Good number of you. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, good number of you. Uh, well, so did uh, Dinah. Dinah met her husband at church too. Her husband, Ali. Uh, Dinah, she grew up in a Muslim home, but came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in college. And shortly after her conversion, she started to attend a church where Ali was the pastor. They immediately, they fell in love and they planned to marry. And this was, this was at a time in that country where churches could meet openly because the government was still trying to decide what they wanted to do with evangelical churches. They didn't know how they wanted to deal with them. Well, one Sunday morning, Muslim extremists detonated two bombs in the church during the worship service. Dinah was with the choir at the other end of the church for the first explosion. However, the second bomb exploded much closer to her rupturing her eardrum and permanently damaging her hearing. And that Sunday, uh, Ali happened to be away visiting another church. Well, after the explosion, Dinah helped people get to ambulances and patch people up that were injured as a result of the explosions. And as you can imagine, the bombs went off, there's chaos. She and the other survivors, as they're trying to help minister to those that have suffered, they felt overwhelmed. So when the police came, when they showed up, they were relieved that someone had finally come to help out. But the police weren't there to help. No, instead of assisting the injured people, you know what they did instead? They arrested Dinah and the other Christians and took them to the police station for questioning. They weren't asking about the bomb. No, they're interrogating all these Christians about what they do in church. And determined to remain faithful, Dinah kept repeating that, look, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is Lord of all and He's my Savior. And that's when things took a turn for the worse. You see, after she said that, another police officer took her aside into another room to assault her. Let the reader understand. And he said to her, we'll see how your God will save you now. And praying for God's help, she suddenly shouted, Jesus, Lord, he is strong. She shouted that 
right in the guy's face. And immediately the policeman pushed her away, yelling, take her away, this woman is mentally ill. And she was then taken to a room where she heard the screams of her fellow church members as they were beaten for their faith in Jesus Christ after having experienced being bombed. As hard as this was, Dinah was acquainted with suffering for Jesus because after she converted to Christ, her Muslim family kicked her out of the home. Shortly after her and Ali were married, her husband was imprisoned several times because of his work as a pastor. Well, a few years into their marriage, when Dinah was pregnant with their fourth child, Ali attended a conference in a nearby country. Here's a picture of her and her husband with a couple of their kids. Well, on his way back home, he was stopped and detained at the border for carrying Bibles. That was illegal in their country. And the guards told Ali that he would go to prison. However, he pleaded with them to let him go so he could get back to his pregnant wife and children. Well, after keeping him overnight for interrogation, they released him the following morning. And then he traveled all day and he arrived back at his home that evening. However, instead of crashing and going right to bed, he and his wife stayed up talking late into the night. And he told her that while he was being interrogated, he didn't think the future looked good for him. And he thought he was going to die there. So he prayed, God, if, if I have to die, please just let me die at home. And after talking late into the night, Ali went to sleep. But he didn't wake up the next morning. Although he was a healthy young man, he died of a heart attack in his sleep. You see, what was common in that country was Ali was drugged with poison by the guards who stopped him at the border. And as you can imagine, life has been hard for Dinah with her young children since her husband's death. You know what? Sadly, her experience is not unique. There are scores of other families who have lost loved ones who are now experiencing similar hardships. I mean, think about this. Not just to mention the grief of losing a loved one. And this is who we're going to plead the promises for next. We're going to plead for families of martyrs, Christian parents, children, relatives, who are not only being persecuted for their faith, but have also lost loved ones because of their faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine? Think of the children. Think of the spouses. You know, when Dinah first converted to Christ, her Muslim family told her that her Christian faith was to blame for all the problems that she was experiencing. But you know what? Their perspective has changed. As Dinah walks the long path of suffering towards her eternal hope, she's bearing witness to the power of the gospel. 
Indeed, one of her uncles, who was a strict Muslim, he told her, he said this, quote, I can see that God is doing something in your heart. And she's encouraged as she faithfully shares the gospel with him. So what I want us now to do is for the second group to pray for these families of martyrs, to pray for the children, the spouses. Let us plead the promises for them now. Lord, thank you that you are a kind God who hears our prayers. And Lord, as, as we are praying for the families uh, that have lost a loved one due to persecution, Lord, we are reminded of your word that we grieve, but not those without hope. Lord, I was reminded of uh, the good news during the offertory song, that it is not death to die to leave this weary road and to join the saints who dwell on high, who found their hope with God, that it is not death to die, to close ice, our eyes long dimmed by tears, and to wake in the joy before your throne, delivered from our fears. Lord, we thank you for this eternal hope, and Lord, we do pray that you would strengthen and comfort these families. Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. The final group that we're going to pray for are frontline workers. And uh, you don't have to say it out loud, but if, but if those closest to you could only use one word to describe you, what, what word do you think they would use? Don't have to say it out loud. And, and, and be clear, not, not a word you'd like them to use, like handsome or strikingly beautiful or something. But, but what word do you think they would use? Do you think any of them would use the word persistent? When a young married man named Ping left his training to be a Buddhist monk in order to follow Christ and convert to Christianity, his wife Thun, she wept for days. And part of her tears was out of embarrassment. However, over several months, as he lovingly, as he patiently loved her and shared with the gospel, her heart began to soften and she too placed her faith in Jesus Christ. Here's a picture of him, Ping. Well, after his wife came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's at that point that they both decided that they needed to move back to their home village in order to share the gospel with everyone in their village. And after nine months of work, they had talked with almost all of the, please hear me, 270 families in that village about Jesus. And that's when the persecution began. As they went around sharing the gospel, villagers punched Ping in the face. They swore at him and called he and his wife vulgar names. His parents revoked his inheritance and told him that he brought shame to their family. Yet despite the hardships, Peng and Thun both felt joy as they followed the Lord even amidst persecution. Peng is quoted as saying this, quote, he says, for me to accept Christ and to be persecuted 
the scriptures are fulfilled. And for this, I am grateful to the Lord. Well, resistance to that, their home village, forced them actually to relocate to another village. And upon arrival at that village, Pang began to, with his persistent self, share the gospel with those he came in contact with. And in a short time, he was actually able to lead the Buddhist monk of that village to Christ, as well as a family of 11. And they were very overjoyed. So on a Sunday morning at his house, they made plans to baptize the family and the Buddhist monk. And after the baptism, they had a church service. Well, by that evening, news of the baptism and the church service has spread throughout the village. And after nightfall, more than 100 people descended upon Ping's house with axes, stones, and slingshots. Thankfully, he and his family were not home during the attack. But the angry villagers, they smashed their windows, broke down the doors, and they destroyed all their Bibles and Christian books. How many of you like your home? How many of you like your doors to work? (laughs) You know what Pang and his wife did in response to overall? Imagine a hundred of your neighbors doing that to your house. You know what Pang and his wife decided to do in response to that? They decided to stay in the village and plant a church. And after nine months of hard work, a little bit more than that, they saw over 31 people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, as of today, several of those people have gone off for further training to Bible college. Pang has said that he and his family continue to face persecution. But the one thing that he's learned from all this that he's thankful for is that it's taught him to forgive more easily. He says the Bible teaches to forgive 70 times 7. And I definitely have opportunities to forgive, even though at times it's difficult. Pang is is one of the frontline workers. And what I mean by frontline workers, I have it there in your bulletin as well. These are, these are pastors, these are ministry leaders, these are church leaders, these are Bible translators, Bible smugglers, these are faithful evangelists. These are people who are doing frontline work in places where it's illegal, the government forbids such activity to take place, or where the, the culture is so hostile to the gospel People come to your house and break down your doors. So this is the final group that I'd like us to pray for. That's to pray for the frontline workers. And again, it's the same promises there. Have them listed there in your bulletin. But let's go now again to the Lord and plead for these, these frontline workers. Lord, we do uh, pray and thank you for hearing our prayers. And Lord, uh, Lord, we're thankful for these Christian brothers and sisters. Lord, they're not perfect. They too sin in many ways, as do we. 
But Lord, we want to lift them up as they are in hostile situations. I pray, Lord, that you would give Bible smugglers success. I pray that you would give the underground church success. I pray that you would give Bible translators and evangelists success, Lord, as they are faithful to obey your command to proclaim the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Lord, even when they're in a nation whose governments are hostile and wicked towards Christians. And Father, we do pray for the government powers in this world that are antichrist, that are opposed to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would change their hearts, that you would save them or that you would remove them, Lord, so that um, your people can flourish in you. Lord, we are so also reminded, as we even prayed in our group, Lord, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, Lord, give these frontline workers the, the assurance and the encouragement that though the outer body might be wasting away in their pursuits to honor you, Lord, that what they're doing for eternity will never be counted as a waste. And Lord, I pray that, as, that we as a church, we would remain faithful to you. In Christ's name I pray, amen and amen. I want you to, to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 13. And while I'm inviting you to do that, I'm going to ask the music ministry team to, to join me here on, on the stage. And uh, once you get there, if I just, if I can have, um, and by the way, uh, the children, you did great, and I am so proud of the kids of the church. If I could have the eyes of the kids and the children for for a moment here. You guys have done so great. I wanted to speak directly to you, okay? We love you guys. And you are part of this church. And it's a joy to have you in this service praying with us. And if you remember nothing from this morning, I want to remember I hope you remember this. That for those of you who have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, start now believing in your heart the promise that God will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't know what's in store for you in this life. I don't know what might come your way but you can know for certain that if you put your faith in Jesus, he will be with you no matter what you experience. And that's good news. And it's my prayer that even now you would come to know and believe and experience that promise. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, we read this. We read, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. 
This is what we have sought to accomplish this morning as we've gathered, to remember our Christian brothers in the Lord, sisters in the Lord, that are in prison and being mistreated. And it's my hope that this won't be the only time this year that we do that. I want to just give you a couple of practical things before we have our song of response and we close with a benediction. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs, vom.com or persecution.com is an excellent resource where you can learn more about the persecuted church. That's where I have gotten a lot of the stories that I've been sharing with you this morning. They have lots of ways that you can get involved in helping out the persecuted church. They also have an excellent podcast if you like podcasts. Also on that website, you'll, you can fill an action pack. You know, Later today, we're going to do Operation Christmas Child. Voice of the Martyrs has something similar where we can put together an action pack that can give practical needs to those that are suffering around the world. Another thing you can do is you can adopt a frontline worker to pray for them. And here's one other thing that you can do if you go on their website. You can write to imprisoned Christians. And get all of this. Even if they don't receive the letter, the fact that you write to them can be to their benefit in that it can sometimes shorten prison sentences and soften the hearts of the guards to hear the gospel themselves. It's also been recorded that it eases up on the severity of their torture when stacks of letters are sent to them. So those are some encouraging ways or some ways I'd encourage you to be involved in uh, further support with the, with the persecuted church. Today we've been pleading the promises of God's word, so it's only fitting that we would close our service by singing every promise and to close our service. So would you, would you stand as we sing the song of response and then the doxology, and after the doxology, you'll be dismissed.